Ready? Good, Austin? Where's Jackson today? Got it. All right, here we go. Hey, New Life family, Jeremy here. It's so great to be back with you again this weekend. We are excited uh, to, to be continuing this series that we started with last week called Re. And we are going to be continuing that over the next six to seven weeks. But we just want to say thank you so much for joining us online. No matter where you are watching from, no matter what part of the country, what state, what time zone, we just want to say Hey, thanks for checking out New Life Christian Center here online. We love our online family. We have a lot of people uh, that aren't able to make it to our services here in Patterson or in Turlock. And so you're still watching online. You are part of our online family, our online service. And so we just want to say uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in and for checking out uh, New Life Christian Center. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Last week, we started a series called Re, and we started with the word remember. We, talked, we said that there's going to be a lot of re-words in the Bible that we're going to be uh, processing through and diving into over the next several weeks. And last week, we started with the word remember. And I know uh, I actually mentioned this that a few weeks ago you said, Jeremy, we did a whole message on forgetting the past. And when God told the people of Israel, forget all of that, I'm about to do something new. But remember, remember, uh, that was for a very specific season uh, in, the, in the history of Israel because they were still waiting for God to show up and do uh, something that they... Uh, something new, but they thought it was going to be uh, something that he had done in the past. And God said, nope, forget about that. I'm going to do something new. But last week we talked about how God wants us to remember things in our life, places that we've been, seasons of our life where God has been faithful and just and merciful and graceful. When we look back and say, man, these were some really tough seasons in my life, but God got me through it. And I remember that. And we talked about Joshua when he commanded the, the 12 tribes of Israel when they crossed the Jordan River that God stopped the flow of the Jordan River and they crossed over and then God or then Joshua told each one of the uh, leaders of the tribes to go and get a stone, carry it on your shoulder, build a memorial to what? Remember how God was faithful. And remember how God brought them across the Jordan River. And we, uh, we, had, we attached that story to our own life about looking back and seeing, and seeing the times where God helped us through trials and situations and challenges in our own uh, uh, challenging seasons in our own life where we can look back and say, remember, remember God's faithfulness, remember God's goodness. So this week, that's remember. This week, we have a new reword that we're going to be giving you in just a few minutes. But first, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew. Also, don't forget that the sermon notes are online. You can just go to our app, click on Connect, then Weekend Resources, and then Sermon Notes. And just, just pull up that day, pull up this weekend's uh, date, and you'll see the fill-ins there that we're going to be giving you uh, throughout this uh, message. So this weekend we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17. This is the very first message preached by Jesus Christ. And he begins the message with the word repent. 
Repent. All right, now, we're going to climb into this word here in just a minute because I know that when you just hear that word, it gives off uh, maybe certain uh, emotions, PTSD maybe in your life, uh, depending on how you grew up. But we're going to be diving into that word in just a minute. Let me read you three different translations of the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17. The New Living Translation says this, From then on, Jesus began to preach. And he began to preach this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near or has come or is coming soon. Now what Jesus is talking about here is himself. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom, me, the kingdom of heaven, myself is near or has come. The Passion Translation says this, From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words, Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. Again, talking about himself. That's the Passion Translation. Here's the Message Translation, and I love this. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. That simple. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. They all mean to repent. All right, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. God, I just ask that you'll speak your words through me, your servant, to your people, and that we can digest it and learn something from it today and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, let me start off by telling you, at the Moore household, all right, that's that's my home, We have several family rules, just like you probably do. Uh, And I don't mean just house rules, okay? Not, I don't mean house rules like taking your shoes off when you walk in or not eating with your elbows on the table or uh, no cell phones at the dinner table, brush your teeth before bed. I'm not talking about those kinds of house rules. I'm talking about relational rules, all right? Things like, hey, no one picks on your siblings except for you, okay? You got brothers and sisters, you know what I mean, okay? You can beat up your brothers and sisters, you can pick on them, you can bully them, but no one else gets to, right? Because they're not family. They don't get to touch your brothers and sisters, okay? Here's another one that we have. Always laugh at yourself, okay? When we do stupid things, when we do silly things, when we do things that people can make fun of you about, laugh at yourself as well. Because I'm telling you, in the Moore household, uh, there are no apologies when it comes to making fun of you if you mess up doing something. And so uh, we always teach our kids, hey, laugh at yourself, okay? It's funny. Here's something else. Always love each other because we're family. At the end of the day, no matter what we've done or said to each other, we are family. So oh, here, here, here are two rules that we have infused into our children since they were toddlers. Two rules. Number one, be quick to apologize, number one. And number two, never hold a grudge. Be quick to apologize, never hold a grudge. Now, for the most part, our family does a pretty good job at this. There are times, however, because we are human, that we take a little longer than we should to apologize or we stay upset a little longer than we should by holding grudges. But over the years, Jan and I have said hundreds of times to our kids and to each other, hey, we do not hold grudges around here, not in the Moore household. Now, between apologizing and holding a grudge, I believe one of these, I believe one is certainly easier than the other, okay? Now, it could be wrong, uh, but it seems like holding a grudge 
uh, is a little easier than it is to apologize. Especially when we are convinced that we haven't done anything wrong. Right? Because think about it. We all have family members who we have wronged or have wronged us. And no one says a word. I mean, no one apologizes to the other. A few months go by, a few years go by, no one brings it up again uh, because it's just kind of been swept under the rug, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, so no one brings it up. Everybody acts like nothing ever happened, everything's fine, and then we just go on with our lives. And I know you're probably watching or listening right now saying, yes, that is my family. We never address issues. We just sweep everything under the rug. Can I tell you, that is everyone's family. All right, even my family that's watching right now, there's things I've done to my family that I probably never apologized for. There's things that I know they've done to me that they've never apologized for. It just gets swept under the rug, and when we see each other, no one brings it up. Everything's fine because it seems like it's easier to hold a grudge than it is to apologize. Why is it so hard sometimes to just say, I'm sorry? Why is that so hard? And I'm not talking about the patronizing apologies like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. No, that's totally patronizing. Or I'm sorry that you're offended by what I said. That's not a real apology. I'm talking about real, sincere, from the heart apologies that we really mean. Apologies like this, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, that's my fault and I own that. Or hey, I'm sorry that I said that to you. Or I'm sorry I did that to you. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Those are real apologies. What about this one? To get really detailed. Hey, I'm sorry that I did that against you. Because this is what it really means to repent. Yikes. Jeremy, repent. There's that word again. That, make, that word makes me feel uncomfortable. It's such a negative and ugly word. I mean, why would we use such a religious word like that in our services, in our, uh, in our modern age? That word's out of date. It's, it's out of style. Do churches really still use that word, Jeremy? Because when I hear the word repent, this may be you, some of you out there, you may be saying, when I hear the word repent, it makes me feel shameful. It makes me feel like a failure. I can't, like I can't measure up, like I'm not good enough, like I'm being judged. Well, one of my goals for this weekend is to educate all of us on how the word repent was never designed to do any of that. The reason it's important for us to know and understand is because Jesus used this word a lot, often. In fact, to quote unquote repent was his very first message, like we said, going back into the beginning of the message. When he began his ministry, but probably not like you perceive it. When you hear the word repent, you probably think of some other things. You probably think of some, uh, some haunting memories that you might have. Uh, going back to the word remember, of growing up in some of the churches that you may have. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have seen YouTube videos of people screaming, repent. We read in Matthew 4 that Jesus was baptized by John, then he was led out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted in every way that you and I are. And then he began his public ministry with his very first message of repent. But he wasn't the scary guy on the street corner with a megaphone, screaming, repent, all of you vile and wicked sinners, or you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. 
He wasn't in a suit behind a podium with his finger pointing at the crowd, acting as if everyone in the room was a vile sinner except for himself as he cried out, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Turn or burn. That wasn't Jesus at all. The word repent is actually a very beautiful word that means uh, 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 that, that stands for mending and beginning and clean and mercy and grace and forgiveness. These aren't the definitions of repent, but these words are all encapsulated in that word repent. Second chances. And let's not forget the word love. Part of repent. All of these words are wrapped up into this one awesome word repent. Now here's the definition of repent. The definition of repent means to feel regret or to feel sorrow or this one. This is my favorite definition of repent. To turn away from. To turn away from. Remember the word sin, quote unquote sin, means to miss the mark. What mark? God's mark. The mark for which he set before us in this life. But here's the problem. When we live our life however we want or say whatever we want, or do whatever we want, or behave however we want, we miss God's mark and plan for how we should live our life. That's called sin. To live a sinful lifestyle means to do my life my way instead of God's way. There's a really popular saying in our culture right now that says, you do you. Whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good, If you're not hurting anyone, then you do you, boo. No. Can I tell you something? That's the opposite of what God says. That mentality totally contradicts what Jesus said. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not my kingdom. Not my righteousness. You do you means for you to go and build your kingdom. But even Jesus didn't want to do that. He, he, he didn't want to follow his own personal will, but the will of the Father's. Look what he said in John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Talking about his Father. Choosing my way over God's way is choosing to live an unhealthy spiritual lifestyle that goes against God. And that, my friends, is sin. And it's something we're naturally born into. But accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior by believing he really is the son of the living God and that he died for you means that we are willing to repent or turn away from a life of sin and begin to pattern our lives after Jesus to the best of our ability. Now it doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again. It doesn't mean that we're, that we're never going to miss God's mark for our life ever again. Accepting Jesus does not make us perfect. I've heard people say before that when I started following Jesus, I didn't even have the desire or the urge to sin again. Can I tell you something? Run from those people. <laughs> because they probably also have some oceanfront property in Arizona that they want to sell you. The only sinless person that will ever exist is Jesus. But, now listen, repenting does require us to sin less. We can't be sinless, but we can sin less. So what else does repent mean? What else does it mean to actually repent? 
Well, first of all, repenting isn't one of those one and done sin confessions that we give to our pastor or, or, or to any, anyone else that will listen. It's actually something that we can work on every single day. It's surrendering to Jesus all day and every day. That's how you can live a life of repentance. So here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Repentance is living in an attitude of surrender. Repentance is living in an attitude of surrender. Matthew 3.8 says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Listen to that. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You want to produce a lot of good, um, healthy, spiritual fruit in your life? Then live with an attitude of repentance. It is actually possible to live in an attitude of repentance. An attitude of repentance communicates to God that, hey, it's never about me, God. It communicates that he's always in control. Repentance is a way to say that he is God and I am not. Repentance isn't us crawling on the ground, crying and screaming out to God, begging him to forgive our sins. It is a daily surrender of my will to God's will. That's what it means to live a life of repentance. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. How often? Daily. Consistently. Ongoing. Remember, repent simply means to turn around, to turn the other way. Stop going that way. That's why Jesus said to repent and turn to God. Because the way that humanity was spiritually walking wasn't healthy. And Jesus knew this. He recognized this. We, humanity was on this path that led to death. And when Jesus said, repent of your sins and turn to God, he was saying, stop going the direction you're going. Instead, turn around. Turn around and follow the Father. The natural path for humanity, let's face it, the natural path for humanity is the wrong way. Following Jesus is the right way. Repenting is making a U-turn from going the wrong way. It's a way for us to say, God, I'm wrong and you're right. And I'm sorry. God, I've wronged you. God, I've sinned or I've missed the mark against you. And I'm sorry. I'm turning around and I repent. It's a mentality that we can live with every single day. There's actually an attitude of repentance that we can live in when we, if we choose to. It's an attitude that says this, I want to, when I wake up in the morning, I want to do right today. God, I want to please you today. I want to be found holy and blameless in the eyes of you, Jesus, today. I want to honor you, Jesus, and my decisions and my behavior and my actions and my word. I want to honor you today, Jesus. Can you imagine if followers of Jesus thought like this all the time? This constant mind frame of repenting to the point where we understood that the word repentance is actually an invitation from the creator of the universe for us to join him and live in a purpose-filled life. That's what living in an attitude of repentance means. So here's number two. Repentance is an attitude, uh, is, is, uh, is living in an attitude of surrender, but it's also a decision. It's, a, it's a, a conscious decision that we make to repent. Look at Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive 
mercy. That's a conscious decision to repent of our wrongdoings. Repenting to someone is making a conscious decision to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Coming to a place of repentance is a decision of the heart and of the mind. And let me also say this. If someone has wronged you and they approach you with a repentant heart because they made the decision to make things right, we had better forgive them. Look at Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. This is Jesus talking. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time returns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. But Jeremy, you have no idea what this person's done to me. Do you know what they said? Do you know what... What they've caused, the kind of trauma and damage they've caused to my family. The traumatic damage that this person has caused, not to just my life, but those around me. I don't want to forgive them, Jeremy. Okay. I understand. I'm not going to be insensitive to the fact that hearing this one message on repentance is going to wipe away all the baggage and the damage that this person or these people had done to you in the past. I'm not naive to believe that. But let me reiterate, repentance is a decision. Whether we do or do not repent to God or, or one another, we are making that decision. No one is making it for us. Let me also say that when it comes to repenting to God, we can't emotionally work our way into forgiveness. Okay, does that make sense? We can, we can cry, we can shout, we can scream, we can holler, we can lay on our face and go through a whole box of Kleenex. But repentance is not an emotion, it's a decision. One that says, my life is missing something. God, I don't know what it is, all seems to be good, I have a great family, I have a great job, great friends, everyone's healthy. All my needs are met, but there is something still missing. So... Let's, let's think about this. If repenting is turning around or turning away from a lifestyle of intentional sin against God, then I believe that it takes a repentant heart and mind to gain access to God's forgiveness, right? That would make repentance the gateway to a life of following Jesus. So basically, it all begins with repentance. So now what started out as a very judgmental, shameful, guilt-filled, I'll never measure up word suddenly has turned into the beginning of my salvation with Jesus Christ. That's a decision. It's not just an emotion. It's a decision that we make. That leads us to number three. Here's your third fill-in for the weekend. Repentance connects me deeply with Jesus. It connects me deeply with Jesus. There are several things in Scripture Several things that, that Jesus requires of humanity in order for us to have a healthy relationship with him. A surrendered life, a humbled spirit, and an admission of our wrongdoings or repentance. If we do that, here's what Jesus promises us in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Notice that, notice that. Not some wickedness, all wickedness. 
And it's God's desire and passion for everyone, everyone to come to him and repent. It's one of the reasons why he hasn't come back to get his followers as of yet. The Apostle Peter actually wrote about this in one of his letters. He was writing to, uh, about the promise uh, that Jesus made to come back and take his followers up to uh, live with him for eternity. Because a lot of people were asking at the time, hey, where is Jesus? Why is it taking Jesus so long to come back and get us? And Peter said this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for whose sake? For your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to what? Repent. If you've never repented of your sin and surrendered your life to Jesus, then you're one of the ones that he's waiting for. It's been 2,000 years and people are still asking, where's Jesus? You can look all over the world and see the chaos that our country's in, that our world is in, with everything that's happening socially and, and politically and relationally. The climate is off the charts and people are saying, where is Jesus? People are crying out, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The question is, how many more people is the Father waiting for? Answer, one more. And when that person accepts Jesus and repents, then just one more. Maybe he's waiting on you this weekend. Maybe he's waiting on you to repent, to turn away from the lifestyle that you're living and come to the Father. Luke 15, 7 says this, There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who what? Repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. But Jeremy, you don't know what I've done. You're right, but Jesus does. So repent. Will God forgive every sin, Jeremy? Absolutely he will. So repent. I'm so ashamed, Jeremy. No one knows my secrets. Well, God knows. God knows all your secrets. So repent. And notice I'm not saying repent. I'm saying it the way I believe Jesus said. Repent. Turn away and serve the Father. Because if you repent, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Don't you want that? Don't you crave that? Don't you want to live the rest of your one life on this earth forgiven and clean? Well, if you do, you're not the only one. King David did too. If you don't know the story of King David, let me tell it very quickly. The Bible calls King David the man after God's own heart. And King David was chosen by God himself to be the king when he was just a boy. So he takes over being the king. And so years go by. And one day King David's out on top of his roof and he's looking out over the kingdom. There's a major battle going on uh, uh, outside, the, outside of, the, of the kingdom. And he looks over on top of one of the other houses and he sees this lady named Bathsheba. And she's taking a bath. So David sees her and wants her. The only problem is she belongs to the general of the army at the time, Uriah. And he's out on the battlefield. So David sleeps with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. So David's thinking, now how am I, I going to get out of this one? So he calls Uriah off of the battlefield and says, hey, come in, rest. You've been doing a great job. Sleep with your wife. Uriah won't do it. 
Matter of fact, he sleeps on the front porch. He doesn't want to dishonor the king, David, or his army by coming in and sleeping with his wife, knowing that the other men out there, they can't come home and sleep with their wives, so he's not going to do it. So David comes up with this plot to send Uriah back into the battlefield. He has every, all the other troops back away when the, when the battle gets heated so that Uriah's out there by himself and Uriah gets killed. Months go by. Bathsheba has the baby. The baby gets sick, and the baby dies. So now here's the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, has committed adultery and murder. And he's sitting with his emotions, he's sitting with his sin. His baby just died that he had with Bathsheba. And we read these words, when he's in the pit of his despair, in the pit of his sin, we read in Psalm 51, the words of King David, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to skip down to 7 through 11, and then 16 and 17, he says this, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I have recognized my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Now verses 7 through 11. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Notice what he said there. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Then verses 16 and 17. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is what? A broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Why do I bring up David? Because here was a man after God's own heart, yet he still realized his need for repentance and forgiveness. Listen, no matter who you are today, no matter what you've done, God is faithful and just to forgive all your sins, all your wrongdoings. Of all the times you've missed the mark, he's challenging you to turn away from your sin, to turn to him. And that begins with repentance. In the words of King David, he will not reject a broken and repentant heart. If you have sin in your life, if you're going the wrong way, I strongly urge you, repent to God. I'm not screaming repent in your life. I'm not trying to judge you, I'm not trying to shame you, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm simply doing what Jesus did. Jesus said, repent, turn away. Turn away from the path you're going on. And come back and follow the Father. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do this weekend. Repent of your sin. Stop going the way you're going. Turn around and follow Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me?
Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us into this word of repentance. Father, forgive us for making it something that it's not. Lord, we've made it about shaming people and judging people and making people feel bad, Lord, but that's not your intention at all. Father, repentance is a beautiful word that you are calling us to, to turn away from the path that we're going down so that we can turn and follow you. And Father, I just pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, if they've got sin in their life, if they're going down the wrong path, if they're going the wrong direction, Father, that you will just speak to them right now, Lord, however you seem fit, and ask them and cause us all to turn away from the direction we're going so that we can begin to follow you. Father, our relationship with you begins with a repentant heart and you will not reject us when we come to you. We love you. We surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for checking. Thanks for tuning in this weekend, New Life. Uh, for just want to say hello to all of uh, everyone all across the country, those of you who have, turned, who have tuned into New Life Christian Center this weekend. We love you. We are praying for you. If you need us for anything, make sure you connect with us uh, through our website or through our app, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Have a good, have a good week.